This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. to episode number 80 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. It's our healthy scratch interview segment coming to you early Monday morning slash Tuesday. Hopefully it's going to be out Monday night, I think is when this puppy is going to be out by the time you're hearing this. But nonetheless, it was a fantastic interview for all days of the week, but especially your primer for this weekend, uh, St. Thomas and the start of men's hockey for the St. Cloud State hockey team. That was a mouthful of an intro, Nick. Um, so who the heck did we have on and uh, how did it go? <laughs> Uh, better than that intro, actually. <laughs> that was that was a jumbled mess. Uh, no, it, yeah, we're, <laughs> uh, it, it's Brett Larson, and of course, you know, always one of our favorite people uh, to sit down and chat with. Uh, you know, again, everybody's O and O. Everybody's perfect right now, so everybody's in great moods, which also does help the cause here, Noah Grant. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, what can you say? Uh, you know, always been gracious with this time with us, uh, both here in the podcast, as well as, you know, times of the third, uh, student media here at St. Cloud state. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, just, you know, made himself available. Um, we all know what you get from Brett. He's, you know, it gives you his honest answer and, uh, a good preview and some things that uh, I think that, uh, you know, even for us, you, know, you kind of think, uh, that COVID kind of is behind us a little bit and it certainly isn't. And, you know, to kind of hear his perspective on what's feeling normal, maybe what isn't still normal uh, was kind of intriguing as well. And there are certainly some roster spots that are still up for grabs and you know how he's going to, uh, I should say not he, but him and the coaching staff are going to be handling some of those roster spot battles is uh, kind of interesting to hear as well. I was just thinking how far that we've come or, or how we think how far we've come. Uh, when we went go back all the way to episode number 12 and he was the one who actually provided us with the zoom link for our own show. So um, I, I feel like, feel like we're getting somewhere here. Always uh, listen to his candid interviews and, and what he's got uh, going on for, for the team, especially, but I I'm really excited uh, for him to kind of, uh, you know, not that he was under any pressure by any means in Brett Larson, but going from that three-year deal to that seven-year deal and kind of knowing he's going to be here for the long term and continue to build this program up and kind of step into the next wave, the next generation, uh, the Brett Larson era, if you will, um, and and bring this team hopefully to. You wonder if he's got a no movement clause in years five, six, and seven. <laughs> Blow it up. I'm, one, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just curious. I wonder if Cap Friendly has that. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it's signing. But I wonder if you got a signing bonus or not. We'll have to look at the contract structure. But um, yeah, excited for <laughs> excited for what he's going to bring to the table, um, and, and just kind of make his mark on St. Cloud State history, and hopefully get the boys back to that uh, that final game of the season and get them over the hump, similar to what he did uh, in Duluth, of course. But uh, excited for sure for this weekend, um, and we won't keep you waiting on this interview. Brett Larson, episode number eighty. Welcome back 
to the Danahowski Warming House Podcast fans. This is episode number 80, and it is finally the week we've all been waiting for. College hockey, just about five days away here. No, we're recording very early on this Monday, 7 a.m., uh, but that's how these guys roll. Brett Larson, head coach, thanks for joining us, and I'm pretty sure practice is coming up, and uh, again, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I always enjoy it. Brett, uh, let's start off by just asking the obvious question. Uh, just how excited are we um, now that Friday's approaching, um, you're going to have uh, uh, some games for Saturday, Sunday, actually, this weekend. You're going to be playing at home uh, Saturday and then heading down to St. Paul uh, to the Excel Energy Center to finish off the series. Uh, pretty good way to get yourself started, huh? Yeah, can't wait. Obviously, players are the same way. The, this preseason's felt a little bit longer than most, I think, just because of the uh, there's so much excitement. It, you know, they know they're going to get to play in front of fans and they can't wait. We had a, an open practice last night where we had a scrimmage here at the Herb and a couple hundred people in there. That felt great. So I, I can't wait till uh, the feeling of that energy and the excitement in the building when there's 6,000 in there. Brian, I know that obviously, you know, you, you have your first matchup against St. Thomas, who's getting ready for their first ever division one action, but it is a part of you almost just excited for the normalcy or normalcy, however you say it, of a schedule, finally knowing that you're just back to those weekend series and you're going to, you know, like you said, have fans in the building and just kind of be able to prep kind of how you do where you have the early to middle part of the week to really just get ready for the weekend. Yeah, obviously we're excited about that. I mean, uh, I'm really proud of the team. We're, you know, we're fully vaccinated now. So I think that that's a, it puts us in a good spot um, uh, moving forward with being able to just have as normal of a season as possible that way. And, and um, you know, last year, it's interesting though, because, you know, we've gone through some ups and downs in preseason, just like any team does. Eventually you get sick of going against your own guys. You want to go against somebody else. And, and, You've got that, you know, close to a month and a half of, of preseason. Um, you know, things don't feel like last year in some ways to the guys. You know, last year, all they had was the rink in their apartment. That was it. There were no outside distractions. They couldn't go anywhere else. Um, they couldn't see anybody else. It was just hockey all the time. And now, you know, they've got a little bit of life again. They've got they've actually got to go to class now instead of just doing it all online. And uh, uh, that 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 brings a, a different feel, but a good feel, because it feels like you said, like life's getting back to normal. Brett, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the life of a head coach, especially in preseason. Um, we were discussing just before the show about, you know, how the team has looked and, you know, some of the new faces may, may be coming in and out. Um, you seem to have a good problem in your hand by, you know, almost saying that you might see some guys rotating in and out and it might not be one, but maybe multiple guys on a nightly basis trying to figure out who might be the mainstays in your lineup. Yeah, we've got we've got some serious competition going on, um, and and that's a good thing. Guys are pushing each other. Uh, they know in the room that they've got to bring their best every day. Every day is a, essentially a tryout and practice and evaluation for the coaches to try to get a feel of who's going to play. Um, and I think that's a good thing. It's pushing everybody right from the net on out. I think David's being pushed real hard by Lamaroon Caster right now. Uh, we've got nine defensemen that can all play college hockey and are really good players, and we've got sixteen forwards that can play. So uh, we're going to have uh, we're going to have some really tough decisions to make here by the end of the week. But again, that's a good problem. It's a good group that way. Um, but you know, as a coach, it's never. Uh, it's also never. Uh, you're never satisfied as a coach, right? It's never quite where you want it yet. And we all remember how our team was, was how they were playing last year. I just watched the Mankato game on tape last week again, and to just see how hard and how, you know, the guys were all on the same page and how we were playing. What, what people and the players forget sometimes is, 
that just doesn't come back again in September. You have to start building again. It's, it's, you got to start that whole process all over again. But as a coach, you remember how you played there and you want your guys to be playing like that right now. So we know we're not there yet. we got another week of important practice ahead of us to get ready for the weekend. I've got back-to-back questions for you, Brett. My first question for you is, uh, you know, talking about last year, obviously putting that in the rearview mirror, uh, you know, some of the, the newer guys obviously are getting their first taste of college hockey, but for the guys that are returning, what is your message now that that process has started all over, um, you know, for them on day one, getting ready for game week? Well, you just said it kind of in your question, the process is starting all over again. Like we can't expect just to show up and things are going to happen just as they did towards the end of last year, because we got everybody back. Those guys earned that they earned it from uh, how they practice from the beginning of the year, how hard they worked to make sure the team was tight and close. Uh, a lot of the things they did on and off the ice that built throughout the season. We need to start that all over again, because no matter where you're ranked at the beginning of the year or what you did last year, you guys have been around college hockey long enough to know as well. Everybody's good. I mean, the, 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 the difference between first and eighth place in the NCHC is so minimal that, you know, anybody can beat anybody. You, you know, we can't take anything for granted. We, we have to get back to that belief that every day matters. Our preparation every day matters. The competition every day matters uh, to keep pushing ourselves to, to be successful in this league. Because just because we have everybody back in a really strong league like this, that really doesn't mean a lot. You need to start that process as you've asked right over from the beginning, uh, from day one, and the effort that they put in every day to keep getting better. One of the guys that was so pivotal last year down the middle, especially definitely was Will Hammer, who's not with the team, of course, this year. I Obviously, you brought in free, three freshmen that we knew about. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Brett Larson getting you guys, his uh, early morning You guys remember this from last we, year? I remember yeah. the sensor, yes. That's that sensor <laughs> on that light in the office here. Yeah. <laughs> For those listening on the the audio version, Brett Larson has to make sure the uh, the lighting stays kosher in the. Um, are you yeah. you're in the coach's room, aren't you? I'm I'm in the coach's room here in the locker room. Yeah, this is where I spend most of my time. So <laughs> I've got an office, but I'm never there during the season. This is this is where I do all my video, meet with players, plan practice. Uh, I'm in this room quite a bit. I say that basically is your office in the season and rightfully yeah. so uh, getting back to uh, you brought three freshmen in that we knew about, of course, from the get go at the tail end of uh, um, I, last season, I should say, but two players you brought in Ryan Ronsborough, a freshman. And then is it Aiden Spelassi or Spelacy? Spelacy. Spelacy. Okay. Spelacy. We, were both, we were both wrong. Yeah. I can, can you kind of walk us through some of those late additions and what you think those two guys, especially uh, the last two bring to the table for you? Yeah. So uh, the la- getting into the last two, as you mentioned, we, you know, it's interesting. You, you hear, uh, hear the media and the pundits guys like yourself saying, Hey, they got 98% of their scoring back and this, that, and the other thing back. And uh, what a lot, a lot of people don't realize is arguably our, our most valuable line going down the stretch was Will Hammer's line with the, the momentum they brought um, chipped in some big goals, obviously, but they were a momentum line that we could play against other teams, top lines, which, allowed us when you have a fourth line that you can play against a one, you're not afraid to play against another one. Now you're getting Cranell's line matched up against the third line all of a sudden, and you like that matchup. Um, so that line was really critical for us. Um, we're looking for some guys to fit Cockrell and, and, and Hammer's role. Um, and we had uh, Mason Salquist already committed, kid out of Fargo, captain there, a really good player. Um, he's going to be a really good player for us. Uh, but the other two, we kind of recruited – looking for something specific, almost to the point where we don't care if they ever score a goal while they're here. Um, but can they defend? Can they win face-offs? Uh, can they play against other teams' top line? 
Can they kill penalties? And will they, more, most importantly, will they relish that role? Will they believe that that's what they want? Because sometimes you got guys in roles like that that think they you know, want to be up on the top line or want to be on the power play instead. But we're looking for guys that that's who, they know who they are. They know that's what they want and they know that's how they can contribute. And Aiden Spellis, he's done it at every level. Um, he's been that guy and he hasn't been for, you know, he hasn't, he wants to be that, that guy. He wants to have that role. Uh, same with Roseboro, both a little bit different Spelly's done it in the North American league and, 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 and in college hockey. Um, and Rosie's a late bloomer. who's was a big kid that's got to get a little a little stronger and, and, and keep growing. So he may be a little bit more of a long-term project that we're trying to develop. Um, who's got a chance to really fill that role for us. Spelly's a guy that we're hoping can get in there and, and maybe do it right now. And uh, um, not that Rosie can't. I mean, he's come, he's been coming along every day too. So those two guys were recruited for very, very specific reasons to try to plug some, some holes into that fourth line. There's no question, Brett, that that fourth line was so pivotal for you through the entire season, uh, especially in critical face-off situations. Uh, say what you want about, you know, the, the lack of, what do you call it, pizzazz or flair, but that, that line was so important for you to roll uh, your four lines. Uh, kind of on that same note here, Brett, uh, you know, as you go into the season, you had 98% of the rosters back, but it's, it's still not the same. And at the end of it, it's still a new season. Um, you know, from a mentality perspective, what's been your message uh, to the team to try to look at this as a fresh page and to not have any sort of mental carryover from last year? Um, I imagine that that's probably a little bit easier said than done. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, and, and we've discussed this a lot, that some lessons we learned going through COVID last year will still apply this year. And the one thing that you had to learn last year was you had to stay in the moment. It, all you really had was that day. You had the preparation of that day, what you were doing that day, and who you were possibly playing on the weekend or the next game in the pod because you never knew with one test going, you know, somebody getting positive, you never knew. You might not be doing anything for two weeks. You might not be playing anybody. You know, the other team might have it. You might not be playing them, you know, uh, at this point last year, we didn't even know if we we're going to be playing hockey or not. You know, you, you think of it. There were, there were a couple different options. There was the pod starting in December um, and, and, a, and a um, 24 game league schedule I, I, or 20, whatever game schedule, or if that didn't work, it was going to be starting January 1st with a 20 game league only schedule. And, and that was plan B and plan C was no season. So you, you really had to focus on staying in the moment. We've talked a lot about that as a team this year. Um, you know, especially with the, the preseason rankings coming out and thinking about last year and trying to put that to bed, move forward. Uh, those lessons where we learned where we, we were mentally strong to the point where we didn't look too far ahead or too far behind. That lesson from last year needs to really, really be important this year as we keep trying to build day by day. To, to be honest, our only goal right now is to be ready to play our best hockey on Saturday night against St. Thomas. That's it. Obviously, as coaches, we make some we have some tough decisions to make in the lineup. Um, but our only purpose and goal right now is to be ready for that game, knowing it's going to be a good one. You know, with the new transfer rules, they've filled the roster with all Division One college hockey players. Um, so it's going to be – they're going to be good right off the hop, and we need to be ready. Well, you'll be happy to know, Brett, that my next question is about a preview for the long term of the season, of course, um, <laughs> after you just talked about staying in the moment. But it kind of ties back in. We had um, Nick Perbix on a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about uh, the start that the team had about two years ago where uh, you kind of got, um, you know, 
not blown out of your own building, but didn't really have the non-conference start in your own building that you wanted. And it really kind of shot yourself in the foot. Uh, this year, uh, let's just say the exhibition schedule is going to be a tough one. Not that they're not every year, but you're definitely jumping right into play that's going to matter in the pairwise and that sort of thing. Uh, how important is staying in the moment going to be in those weekend series where you have your Minnesotas coming in, you have your old WCHA rivalries, and also how excited are you for them to finally come back to the Herbrooks National Hockey Center? Well, I kind of joked about it uh, in a couple interviews that uh, I really, in the off season, I was really excited about that schedule. And now I'm going, oh, boy, we got to win some of those games. Find a way to get some of those because you're right. We're we're playing the best teams in the country right off the hop. I and mean, we got, you, you know how it's going to be against St. Thomas. We all do. They've, they've got they've got a Division One team. They're going to come out hard. New program, new coach. It's going to be a major battle from the drop of the puck right away, which I think is going to be awesome because it's going to create a new, really fun rivalry for us. Uh, and for them too, uh, obviously going back to a lot of history back in the old days, but um, I, I think that's going to be a great rivalry. It'll be right away. Then we play Mankato, who we just played in the Frozen Four, and it, that's going to be an absolute war when we go down there for two. Uh, getting the Gophers back, obviously one of the biggest rivals we've we've ever had here. Um, then Wisconsin, an old rival, you know, and Bemidji. I mean, it just. It's it's going to be kind of play it, well. Let's be honest. It's going to be playoff hockey every weekend. You're playing some of the best teams in the country, and um, that eight game stretch here early before we get a break at Halloween is is really critical for us to to find a way to win some of those games and keep getting better as a team. What I do like about it is that's going to really push us to be ready for our league play. Um, you know, we're going to have to play our best hockey going through those eight to win some of those games and put us in a position to be ready for league. So that that challenge will push this team to get better. Brett, you know, we had a chance to sit down with Spencer Meyer at, at NCHC Media Day. And, uh, you know, first of all, you know, love the kid to death. I think he's actually one of the, the better captains that are out there in terms of the way he presents himself. And the question was asked, you know, how do you, you know, from the player's perspective, you know, how do you keep that sort of target mentality out of your head? And what his answer was, you know, what, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, we, what we did is we prepared, um, and you know, the same way last year, and that's what made it successful. So why change it? Right. Um, is that sort of the echo that you're hearing from the players themselves in the locker room as they head into this season? Yeah, I think it created a lot of belief in the room last year. You know, um, it was the, the pod was interesting because I think there was a lot of growth for our team in the pod, you know, it was all hockey all the time. Obviously, they had to do their schoolwork, but they weren't having to run off to class. It was all right in the hotel. We were right there. Um, and I think what learning to just prepare game by game did was help help keep their focus narrow. And that's one thing that you're always trying to do as a coach. You, you don't want them thinking, this is so cliche and, and we all know it, but you don't want them thinking about Minnesota before you play St. Thomas. You don't want them thinking about Wisconsin before you play somebody else. You you know, you don't want them thinking about getting into league play. You want them focused on right now. And I really think, again, those lessons that we learned last year built some faith in the team that they saw that work. They saw it be successful. Um, and they, they know it's a recipe for success that they need to stick to. Um, so I think we've got the team bought into that message of just weekly preparation and never, you know, because what we've already talked about, even with the so-called target we've talked about is, you know what, guys, we're going to go into weekend and some weekends early here, we're going to win some, some weekends we're going to lose some. Uh, either way, we're going to get back to the, the, the drawing table on Monday and we're going to prepare for the next weekend. We're going to learn from what we liked, what we didn't like, and we're going to keep trying to grow. So trying to keep that attitude of, of the only pressure really is for us to make sure we prepare all week to bring our best on the weekend. Then we'll deal with what comes at us. 
whether it's wins or losses, then we'll work at hard at getting better the next week. Speaking of that adjustment, kind of a, a unique piece that um, I, I, have you ever really seen it before? Your sophomore group is kind of in this weird spot where they've had that experience. They've had the taste of college hockey. They've had the taste of being in the room, but now they're sort of freshman 2.0s and the fact that, like you said, now they're going back to class again. Um, has it been a unique challenge or a unique perspective seeing them kind of have to balance, you know, knowing how the college hockey piece works, but now having to add the rest of their life aspects back into that? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it a little bit of an adjustment, actually, um, just uh, in the stress levels on some guys uh, early here at, in different days and uh, kind of their energy level and whatnot. We've had to we've kind of had to go back and remember what the real real world is like, because <laughs> to be honest, last year it was in some ways it was great. I mean, all they had was hockey. You know, they obviously their classes online, but they could do that whenever they wanted. So the guys were at the rink all the time. Um, they had nothing else to do. I mean, we had open hours. We called them in the weight room last year. Well, the whole team would be back every afternoon shooting pucks and, you know, lifting weights because they, they had, they wanted to get out of their apartment. They had nowhere else to go. So yes, it has been a little bit of a challenge. I wouldn't, it's not a negative thing. It's just been one of those things where you kind of got, got to get back to some old, uh, uh, an old schedule, some old habits and, 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 uh, kind of go through that again to relearn it. And kind of building off of that coach too, you talk about the 2.0 scenario, uh, the, you know, this group hasn't really seen or been in a full building, whether it's at home and on the road. Um, are you, you know, has there been any discussions about, you know, kind of what to expect as far as you know, the crowd noise and how that can affect you, whether it's momentum both at home or away? Uh, no, we haven't had many discussions on it, but we did our, we did our, uh, open practice last night in scrimmage for a reason. We wanted to, uh, just at least get that sense of having some people back in the building, play the music. We had the music loud. So, you know, in between, uh, uh, and timeouts and stuff, trying to communicate with that music in the background, and this might sound funny, but even putting the real jerseys and socks on for a real game. So it doesn't feel brand new to them next week when we play St. Thomas. So we really used last night as a dry run for a lot of those things. We had a pregame skate in the morning. We had team meetings. Uh, we had them here at normal time before a game, went through our normal um, our progression of our meetings and whatnot pregame. Um, and we went through the whole thing last night to try to get a little bit of a feel for that before we step on the ice next week against St. Thomas. Speaking of lineup changes, speaking of scrimmages, obviously, you know, it is game week for you this week without giving too much away as coaches uh, so eloquently are able to do. Uh, what are some things that you're really liking about this group early that you've seen from practice and from scrimmage? And what are some things that you're thinking you still uh, um, feel the need to work on? Well, I'll start with the need to work on. We're just not, you know, like I said earlier, you remember how your team was executing and working at the end of last year. Um, we really need to focus on our, our, our pace and our quickness and our execution this week, because, um, you know, like I said, you rem remember your team in April, uh, right now it's, it's only going to be October, but we need to push the pace this week and, and get that up. We need to be a team that plays fast, plays on the attack, um, can execute quickly, uh, make plays. And we need to really push that pace this week to get, get up to the, our tempo because we're good when we play with speed, quickness, when we're on the attack, when we're on our toes, when we're playing slow, we're not as effective. So that's going to be our one of our main goals this week is, is to continue to build that pace. Um, what I do like is, is that competition. I mean, we guys feel it. They feel it in the room. Um, they can't take a day off. They know that they have to be really good every day. And there's still competition for power play spots, penalty kill spots, guys trying to move up the lineup or get in the lineup. Um, and I've liked uh, I've liked that what that has produced in practice, which has been a high level of compete and guys pushing each other. I, oh, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just, I was just going to ask a quick follow-up. I, we did our own little preseason prediction to kind of predict the lineup and see where you guys were going to be sitting. Is there a particular defensive pairing, a a potential like forward pairing or forward trio that uh, right now you're saying uh, they're not going to be touched um, for a little bit or or is everybody kind of, do you have the, I think we go back to the Nick Perwick, Seamus Donahue uh, pairing, especially Um, are they going to stay together or are guys going to cycle in based on how they're performing? You know, we're, we're, as any coaching staff, you're always trying to find ways to get better and, and look for things. We may try some things early. Um, you know, as a coach, it's hard. The one, the hard thing about college hockey is there's no exhibition season and game one matters as much as game 34 in the pairwise. Um, so you're always kind of caught in this little uh, tough deal. If you want to try different things because you want to try to get better, but you also need to know that you need to bring your best and try to win those games. So um, we will try some slight, I would call them slight uh, adjustments to try a few different things with our deep pairs, with our lines. You know, the one line I would imagine would be together early would be our fin line and Okabe that, you know, that's a line that was pretty good for us last year. And um, those guys have some chemistry and, and we're pushing those guys. Uh, obviously we've got question marks still on, on Brodsey. Brodsey played last night and looked, looked pretty good in the, in the scrimmage. Um, you know, and that's something you're dealing with the medical people on more than anything about what's the best thing for them is the best thing to play them and push them through it to, uh, d- does that help them get better quicker? Uh, or is it the continued rest on the weekends and the development throughout the week? So those are some discussions we're going to be having with our medical people this week on Brodsey, because that could certainly change some things as well, but it was nice to see him get in there and play last night. And it just seems like every day he's getting closer to being full go. Uh, Brett, you know, in years past, you know, speaking of the exhibition season, it was kind of curious, um, you know, a lot of changes these last couple of years, but even this year, there's, there was that uh, waiver where NCAA teams could um, end up if they wanted to uh, actually do an exhibition game that wouldn't count towards their overrun against another NCAA team. Um, I think if, I, if I'm correct, either uh, either North Dakota, Bemidji or some others, uh, in years past, you played a Canadian team, uh, any particular uh I suppose a decision-making process of whether to have or not have an exhibition game uh, besides an open practice. Was there ever a discussion about that? Yeah, it was already decided for us because of our schedule. So we had already, you know, we had, we had decided to schedule St. Thomas the opening week in October 2nd and 3rd. So that's the earliest you could play that exhibition game. So we had already booked that weekend with real games. So most teams are, are, are doing that because if they don't play the second and third, they play the following week. Um, and they're trying to get an exhibition game in there. It was harder to get Canadian teams down because of COVID this year. That's why the NCAA granted that. Um, so like I know Duluth is playing Wisconsin and Chippewa Falls. They're going to have a scrimmage. Bemidji and, and uh, North Dakota are going to play each other um, in an exhibition game. Obviously, these don't, these don't count as, as pairwise games. They're exhibitions. Um, but for us, we couldn't do it because we had already booked that weekend to play St. Thomas. Brett, uh, my question for you here, and I, I know also kind of interesting on, on the last question that Nick had, I think we heard that Tyler Anderson was up at the University of Manitoba and they almost ended up coming down and playing the University of North Dakota, which yeah. would have been kind of a, a, a bit of a treat there. But uh, um, on the coaching side, uh, we talked about, uh, you know, the normalcy of scheduling once again, as you as you know so well, uh, the assistant coaching staff, especially, they're starting that scouting process all over again and they're traveling during the week potentially too. Uh, how much of that is coming back to normal and how much uh, does your coaching staff, I don't want to say feel stretched thin, but feel that they're getting back kind of that to that workload of the traveling piece on top of that. 
Oh yeah. We felt it this summer, you know, even the summer before uh, I played a lot of golf and so did our, so did our staff this summer. We didn't play any, you know, this summer it was back to all the USHL camps in June and July, some of the North American league camps, the USA hockey camps out in Buffalo, it was full go in the summer. And I can give you an example of this last weekend for us, even uh, Nick, uh, Nick Oliver and Dave Shayak were in Pittsburgh all weekend. Um, and uh, they were out there for the USHL fall classic. Uh, back to that where it's the weekend before was a North American league showcase. What's, what's, what's tough about college hockey is uh, September is the most important month for getting your team ready, but it's also the busiest recruiting and scouting month of the year. Um, so you're really juggling all month and spend a lot of time in the car uh, back and forth to Blaine or out to Pittsburgh on, on a flight and back, but uh, it's all part of it. I think more than anything, the guys are just thankful to be back at it, you know, uh, um, back doing what we love to do and, and, coaching, recruiting, being in the mix and, and getting after it. But uh, it's certainly back to normal that way for sure. Quick little uh, recruiting road trip question for you too. If Nick Oliver and Dave Shyak are on the road together, how do you think that road trip goes if it's nine or 10 hours? Do you think it's, do they get along well? I mean, who, who's got the playlist tunes? I mean, what's going on there? Knowing those two, they're talking about our recruiting list the entire time. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> and that's, it's a good time to get a lot of work done that way. And um, they, uh, I'm sure they, they hammer that out. Recruiting's a, a fun process. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of opinions on players, whether you like the same, you know, both like a kid or you one likes them, one doesn't, you know, that type of thing. So I'm sure they had a lot of time to hash that out. And for me, it gave me a couple of good days with the team uh, here to practice and, and work on some things. We've also hired a new uh, director of hockey ops, RJ Anga. It's been a huge hire for us. RJ was an assistant coach at Colorado college the last seven years. Uh, RJ's brought a ton of, ton of experience for our staff already and, and been a just a great addition so we've been really excited about that so it's been nice to have him around well well uh, nick and schick are on the road i've got another guy here to help that like i said has been a, an assistant coach for a long time at this level and, and and really brings a lot uh brett only a couple more questions uh for at least for me so thank you again for joining us this morning um, you know, as we, uh, you know, kind of get into this Monday routine, uh, you know, got some practices, uh, but you have a game at the Excel Energy Center also coming up on Saturday. Um, I guess, how does it, for the curious hockey fans that are out there, um, you know, you've got an Olympic sheet um, here at the Herb, you have an NHL size sheet um, also. <laughs> as he sprints. As he sprints to turn on the light. We know the interview is getting towards the end when it's gone off twice now. That's I right. <laughs> Check, checking the watch a little yeah. bit. <laughs> right. But how, how do you prepare um, a, te you know, a team for the different ice sheets, essentially back-to-back -back like that? Uh, I know that uh, we had a little bit of a discussion like that uh, with the Colorado College a little bit because they're transitioning from from Broadmoor, which was a little bit to now Ed, Ro uh, Ed Robeson, excuse me, which yep. is more of an NHL sheet. I guess, how do you kind of incorporate it? Because, I mean, the 15 feet or so that are, you know, uh, that's a big difference in terms of uh, room on the ice to make plays and, and to, to know that you have less time to be, you know, to be aware and to, to make something happen. Yeah, well, normally, you know, nor this will be odd. This is very rare that we ever do anything like this because normally you've got the week to prepare where you play some small area games, you get the guys in a little bit of tighter, tighter space here in the herb. Then you travel to wherever you might be going. Let's say it's Duluth. You bus up there on Thursday afternoon. You have a practice Thursday afternoon on the NHL side sheet to get it. You run a lot of breakouts, a lot of four checks, things like that, where guys got to feel the space in those tight areas neutral zone transitions. Then you get another skate on Friday morning. And by that point, you, you already, it only takes a couple of skates for you to feel, you know, uh, pretty comfortable on that sheet. Um, this time, both teams 
will be going right from our sheet to their sheet to that size sheet with no practice in between. So the only, so neither of us have any time to prepare, which in my mind, at least it's the same for both teams. Uh, we're both going to have to adjust on the fly. And I I'm confident once you get through the first, you know, probably 10 minutes of that game, it's going it, to, it's interesting how it works. It feels normal pretty quickly. It doesn't take too long. So it's not a big issue, but this will be a time where it's very rare that we just jump from the, the, uh, the Olympic size to the NHL size without a practice in between. So, uh, but again, it'll, it'll be for both teams. So I don't think there's a real advantage there either way. And then, you know, you talked about road trips to kind of, you know, not just from the NHL sheet, but, you know, just some of the schedule differences. You have a home and home, I believe, against uh, Bemidji also in, in late December. Uh, how do you manage, you know, just the, the player personnel in terms of like, make sure they got rest with the travel? And because uh, that's not a short drive up there to northern Minnesota. No, it's not. Obviously, rest is going to be critical. And, and um, uh, you know what? The guys like it, though, because it's a it's a nice way to do it where you just you get in that groove of playing and you're playing quick. And uh, one thing that was kind of fun about the pod was it was almost a pro feel where you're, you know, you're playing almost every other day at times. So I can tell you the one thing about college hockey players, they like to play uh, quickly. They don't have like to have, have a ton of time to think we'll, we'll, we'll get a good rest, get on the bus, get back. Um, have a meeting and the guys will be ready to go. I know, I know both teams like those home and homes because it's uh, you know, less time just sitting around the hotel and waiting type thing. You just get back in the bus, get in your own bed and, and you get ready to go the next day. You talked about uh, the coaching staff and of course the players itching to kind of play somebody else other than themselves, obviously. Uh, what does a game week look like for fans that, that might make it a little different from the weeks that you've had previously? Is there a different change where Thursday's practice is maybe a little bit lighter? I mean, what does that look as far as game weeks are concerned? Yeah. So, well, boy, not to bore you with too many rules, but right now we're still <laughs> in what's called the four hour rule. It, it's amazing. Uh, our first day of official practice is October 2nd which we play on. <laughs> so um, we've got a four hour rule here where you can only practice four hours a week uh, right now um, up until the second. So we have to give the guys the day off today. Not, and we kind of designed it this way in a, in a way. So because of the Saturday, Sunday series next week, normally you got a Friday, Saturday series. So you practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you have a four day block and you have a typical routine that you go through. Um, so what we wanted to do was have that ex that, that inner squad game last night to make it a game feel kind of like it was a Saturday night. We did a six o'clock game, Saturday night game. We're trying to create today as almost a Sunday. So because of the four hour rule, we can give the guys that we're giving the guys the day off today. Um, and then we'll, we'll, tomorrow will be our Monday essentially. So that, then we'll have a four, four, you know, we'll practice four days, an hour a day. Um, that Tuesday through Friday, just like we normally would Monday through Thursday, hopefully getting them into a feel of a normal game week here this week. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, you know, it's, 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 do you feel like it's kind of weird though, Brett, that, you know, your official first day of practice isn't until <laughs> the season starts. I mean, as a coach, do you kind of wish you had a little bit more uh, availability um, earlier before the season starts? Yeah, we're, there's a, a major push right now, and this has gone for years and years. Coaches have been pushing it. I think it's closer than ever to bumping up that first start of practice a week earlier uh, than it is right now, um, which would be great because what it would give you would be in most seasons, and again, it's, it's only occasionally that you play real games the first weekend. Um, I, I'll bet you I haven't looked at the schedule, but it's probably only a quarter to maybe a third of college hockey that's going to play on the second and third. Um, uh, it happened for us because of St. Thomas coming in late. 
uh, try, we wanted to find a way to get it done and get them on our schedule. And they wanted to get us on their schedule. So it was really the only weekend that worked. And the only good thing is there's no real advantage to either team because we're both under the same rules. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a major push right now. We're really hoping it goes through because ideally what you'd love to have is a full week of practice, an exhibition game on a weekend, another full week of practice, and then start your, start your season. So uh, we're hoping that rule will go through. Yeah. It's kind of weird to essentially learn an altered schedule game day week, if you will, and then kind of rehash it <laughs> the next yeah. week, you know, for, for some of the guys. And, and I, I know for all of us as former players, sometimes you get guys that are very routine oriented, especially, and it, it makes a difference, you know, yeah. feeling, feeling like what you're doing on a Thursday is what you're supposed to supposed to do on a Friday. Um, my final question here, um, if I can remember what it was, I just forgot what it was. So, um, <laughs> welcome to uh, old guy problems. That's, yeah. that's me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me see. Oh, I remember what it was now. Thankfully, it could have been, it could have been a dangerous situation there. Uh, going into obviously St. Thomas's first ever Division One action, uh, you know, Rico Blasi, you know what he brings to the table, you know, some of the players on that roster. How do you prepare for a team that you really don't have a feel for what their actual style is? Be you know, they're, they're you know, they're going to come out hard you know they're going to come out heavy but you you know you don't know that maybe they like the neutral zone trap or something like that necessarily no there's going to have to be adjustments made within within game uh you know uh what's nice about again now having rj angus our director of hockey ops he'll be up in the up in the booth doing the video you got a coach's eye up there uh from up above that's going to help us uh, early in the game trying to pick out uh what it looks like they're running their forecheck their neutral zone that type of thing um, we'll go back to some of the last games Rico coached against us. We obviously have all our games logged through all the years. Um, I'm going to guess that maybe he's going to coach similar to how he did when he was at Miami, um, kind of a two, one, two, four check neutral zone, two, one, two neutral zone. We'll see if he changes those type of things up. But in saying that what I kind of like about it, and it's just like, it's just like in the regionals in a way, like it's not so much about the pre-scout. You do have to know a little bit about the opponent, but essentially it's how you play, you know? So we're going to focus on us all week. We're going to focus on us executing at the highest pace that we can execute uh, our structure being good early, uh, our work ethic, obviously um, our special teams being ready. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a good thing sometimes to have the major focus on us, how we play our ability to be ready and us bringing our best, not, getting so bogged down and thinking too much about what the other team's doing. So there's always that fine balance in coaching anyways. You don't want them overthinking to the point that all they're thinking about is how uh, St. Thomas is going to play. We want to be focused on how we're going to play and come out and execute. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably do a little bit of guessing based on how Rico's coached in the past. Uh, we'll have to make some potential adjustments after the first period based on what we see from up top. But other than that, I want to focus all week on us and being ready to play. I've got a final quick question for you, um, Brett. And I want, yeah, I do. There'll <laughs> yeah, be a few if, more if, after if, this, if, don't worry. <laughs> I, well, if I didn't remember, I think it'd be ill-advised. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, and I and we can cut this if I, if it's not yet to be announced. I haven't really heard many rumblings, but you mentioned RJ. Um, is Nick Tomzik, has he or is he moving on? Um, from what I had heard through the grapevine, is that something you're allowed to detail? Yeah, I can say that, Nick. I'm really excited. He's already yeah. started his new job. He's the, uh, the club hockey coach at Purdue Northwest uh, down in Indiana. Um, they're really, really, um, excited about their club program and wanted the big spring, somebody in to build it. Um, and, uh, they're going to try to have a team at a few different levels. Nick will run the whole operation. It really fits who he is. You know, Nick was a teacher that was his trade. He's been in hockey, loves it. 
this gives him an opportunity to go in and, and, and build something there. And it's a nice thing for them is it's only a few hours away from Michigan, where they're from. They've got four kids. Grandparents are closer. Uh, put them in a really nice spot and gave them a really good opportunity. So we're, we're really excited for Nick and his family. Nick, don't, for, don't, don't be too surprised. I did think of one more, so it's quick, but go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. You know, right. I was uh, trying to... One other, one other guy that might fit that bill that you're going to see very soon. Uh, how excited slash uh, prepared are you for uh, Trevor Zins this weekend? Yeah, obviously he's, a, <laughs> you know what, he's a really good player. I'm happy for him in all honesty. He's one of those kids that, um, just continues to work and, and never gives up. And I'm glad he got the opportunity there. Uh, great fit for him. Uh, I, I'm hoping he has a has a great season after this after this weekend. You know, <laughs> uh, after that, I'm hoping he's got a great career. But no, I hope he does well. Uh, he's one of those guys that he's a real character guy, and I'm glad he he ended up in a spot where I think he's going to be able to play, make an impact, and uh, uh, he's a great kid. So we certainly wish him nothing but the best. Uh, Brett Larson speaking of nothing but the best. We wish you and your team nothing but the best as we head into the college hockey season. And again, we thank you very much for joining us. Brett Larson, good luck this weekend. Let's have some fun. And college hockey's back. So I'm glad, glad it's uh, getting rolling here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. We're excited, too. Can't wait to get going. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brett. As always, Nick, uh, fun. I believe that's the fifth time uh, that we've had Brett Larson on the show. So I'm um, definitely the most uh, most welcomed guest on the show as far as I as we are concerned. Uh, how excited are you for uh, not only this group, uh, but their first weekend act- action against a new Division One opponent? And what do you expect? Well, first of all, you know, as Brett Larson had, had kind of alluded to, I'm excited to see where the team is at right now. Right. Because as he, he made mention, you're starting all over again. And uh, I think he put it so perfectly where in your head as a coach, you're hoping to sort of, you think your team is where April was, right? And it, it's just not the way that is. And I think, you know, it's how do you rebuild that and how quickly? So where where is that bar now? That's kind of what I am excited to see. And more so too, some of those positional um, uh, things that he's talked about, you know, versus uh, uh, Spalacy or Spelacy for and then uh, Ross or Roseboro, um, kind of see what roles or, you know, how well they played that very pivotal fourth line spot. It kind of sounds like um from what Brad mentioned, that's essentially why they're brought in. That's something I think we even kind of predicted as well a couple of weeks ago when we had first caught wind of some of those late additions. Uh, but also, you know, again, for, for, for St. Thomas, you know that with Enrico Blase, you know, if they go two men up on the four check, they're going to provide pressure for you when you're defenseman. Uh, you know, how does this team... Uh, get back into game shape early with fans in the building. Um, I'm excited to see that. Plus, uh, I can't wait to see how Jack Pierce um, looks on the back. And, uh, you know, when, if you're going to have some rotations in, as Brett said. Um, I want to see Solquist, uh, uh, Josh Ludicky. Um, excited to see how this group performs. And it, it's, you know, it's it's the first step on a very long road, as you mentioned, to get back to that, that promised land there back in April. This time it would be um, in good old Boston, which would be a nice way to end the season there in a very hockey-rich town that it is out there in the Northeast Coast. Yeah, I'm very curious to see, especially those forward groupings, but um, I'm moreover intrigued to see 
uh, you know, that's our job as media guys is to kind of predict or kind of assess what we think is going on. Uh, and as you get towards the end of the season, it's easy to kind of expect, you know, what Brett Larson is expecting from the team kind of, you know, if he makes a lineup change, what is he looking for? What does that mean early on in this season? And especially like he talked about a little bit, potentially more player movement than in years past uh, up and down the lineup. Uh, it might be kind of interesting for us to kind of pinpoint why he's making the moves that he, he is, if we don't necessarily get a chance to sit down with them. So um, I think it'll be kind of a fun roller coaster um, where you're going to see a team that has that, you know, great veteran experience. They've been through those ups and downs. They've been to a national championship game, but at the same time, you kind of have this mix of life, like he had mentioned from having fans in the building, but also the youth infusion of, you know, the freshmen and sophomores getting up to speed and help, hopefully helping those upperclassmen continue to win hockey games as well, too. So and a small point too here, Noah, uh, Easton Brodzinski, you know, glad to know that he played yeah. last night. Um, obviously we were not in attendance um, on that scrimmage. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how much ice time he had. And, you know, as he mentioned, as a best of play, of course, Brett Larson, not giving away any um, secrets from the inside. Um, but, you know, good to know that he has at least skating. Looks like, you know, uh, the one question I'd have for, for Brazzi is, uh, have they, has he been wearing a no contact jersey yeah. this entire time? Uh, just how close is he, right? And, you know, from kind of just, you know, going in between the lines a little bit with Brett, you know, it, it sounds like he's close. Um, you know, if, if you're having the discussion of whether, you know, he should play through it or if he's healthy enough to go, um, per se, or does it require rest? Uh, you know, that would me tell he's probably maybe 85, 90% there. Yeah. Um, and I think the question is going to be, you know, obviously with a, with a broken bone, especially, a, uh, kind of a big one, right. I believe it was the femur that he broke. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how close is it to being full? Cause that's definitely one thing you don't want to rush. Um, you know, if, if the bone's healthy, it's probably more muscle than anything just trying to get him back into being, uh, as strong as he was before the injury. So, uh, we'll have to be probably wait yeah. and see as well with everybody else to see how close he is. And, uh, no matter what, uh, if he's in or out, you know, this lineup is deep, which is good, but, uh, definitely is a different looking squad with him out of the lineup. And that's for sure. And in an odd way too, obviously, you know, if you tell him that he's at about 90 you know, percent in terms of that bone healing things too, the other piece that you have to know is, is he ready? And I know obviously he wants to play, but you know, mentally, is he thinking about the way he positions his body every time he goes into a corner? If you tell him his bones only at 90% per se, you know, or they say that you're probably not at a hundred percent or you know, he'll recognize that maybe he doesn't feel fully back into form quite yet as well, too. So that's the other piece that you have to manage is having, you know, and this is Easton's a heck of a hockey player, but so are all the other guys. And if you have a guy who mentally and physically is at 90%, you know, he might not be as much of an asset as a guy who, you know, feels like they're firing on all cylinders, so to speak. Not that Easton isn't, but um, that's probably the best way that I can put that as well, too, is injuries like that that are big injuries, uh, especially when it comes to, um, you know, the legs, the core things that matter a lot in terms of being a hockey player, you want to make sure that he's mentally and physically ready to go, which I think Easton, I think they'll manage him appropriately and he'll have a one heck of a super senior season uh, once he jumps back into the lineup. Uh, speaking of the lineup, uh, Nick, uh, if we don't have anything else, of course, we do have a regular show coming up on Sunday. We finally get to break down some men's hockey, women's hockey back in action this weekend as well. I believe it's Linden Wood on the docket, followed by Wisconsin the following weekend. So a non-conference versus a WCHA test in the next couple of weeks for their squad as well, too. And then we've got Alex Micheletti coming on in the early portion of next week as well, too, to break down the upcoming Mankato series, as well as talk some Minnesota Wild Hockey uh, for episode number 81's Healthy Scratch Interview segment. So we got a lot of exciting things coming up on the docket. And uh, Nick, I'm assuming we don't have anything else, so I'm just going to kick it right off. Uh, everyone have a wonderful week if you're listening here on this Monday or Tuesday. And uh, for sure, be cheering on the Huskies this weekend. And uh, we'll see you soon here in the den. Thank you.
one-timer. Come in, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.